Hey, you're listening to the Winnipeg Music Project, where music making matters. I'm your host, Ashley Bienyage. Each episode features interviews with local music makers in hopes to connect the vibrant Winnipeg music scene with listeners like you. Through stories of songwriting, album releases, and touring, listen to the unique journeys of local artists who love what they do. to the Winnipeg Music Project on 101.5 UMFM. I'm Ashley Bignage, your host. Today I'm here with Brandon Post. Hi there. How are you? I'm well, how are you? I am so happy that you are here. Um, we recently, we kind of know each other now. We've met, this is our third time, I guess, officially meeting. Correct, yeah. <laughs> uh, last time was your EP release. Yeah, last Thursday. Mm-hmm. And how, how are you feeling after all of that? I'm just glowing. The Winnipeg community really came out and it was full and um, Lux, like Lindsay Thompson was just, and her band were incredible. Uh, everything went better than I could have planned, so yeah, it really was, happy. It was a packed it was room. So I was cool. like, wow, this Brandon guy, he's <laughs> he's got the following. It was yeah. It must have felt really exciting. To it was it was really exciting. We counted the tickets and we were at capacity. More than that would have been over fire code. So, oh wow, that's wonderful. So I I, I guess you don't really expect to plan for that. Like, okay, this is the max amount of tickets. You're just hoping to, to fill the fill the room. Fill the venue. Yeah, I had researched what the capacity was just mm-hmm. in case, um, and then we budgeted on about twenty percent less than capacity, but got twenty percent over that. So, congratulations. Perfect. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so I, we'll talk more about that, uh, in a little bit and like what kind of the planning that went into that and, and where you're going with that now. Yeah. Um, but before that, I'd like to talk about how you got involved in music. How did this all start? Yeah. Um, I was eight years old when I started learning the guitar and I walked into a guitar shop with my dad and my brother. We, it was a hobby of my dad and my brother and I's to go and visit guitar shops. I'm not sure why, but I heard somebody playing just to, the, just to visit them. Yeah. And like my okay. dad really liked guitars and it was something fun to do together and we didn't usually end up buying anything. But, um, I walked in and I heard somebody playing electric guitar and I was like, well, that's it. That's the only thing I want to do. And it really hasn't changed. Uh, I've had a lot of different types of jobs and stuff, but it's never really my passion for guitar and songwriting and singing hasn't really changed. So do you remember like what kind of music that first electric guitar was playing? I'm sure it was some super nerdy, shreddy kind of thing. I can't exactly <laughs> quite remember, but I was drawn to more like the um, uh, classic rock stuff at first. Okay. So what, what were you listening to at that time? Oh, I was a bit religious about it. Um, Beatles, Hendrix, and Grand Funk Railroad <laughs> were the, basically the only records I thought were worth listening to. Uh, and luckily, I, I had some nice people in my life who introduced me to other types of music and other bands <laughs> and I jumped off of there but especially when I was younger I thought like those were the only bands that you could listen to and be a musician I don't know <laughs> oh yeah just because usually they're in, always in the top like when you listen to other musicians like yeah Beatles Jimi Hendrix those are like their idols in yeah terms of, like me, like songwriting and guitar so I mean that makes sense it does yeah and did you think that you're going to be performing or did you just want to you just wanted your, your life to be about guitar, like you'd be teaching it or like what, what did you, what did, what were your goals when you were younger? Um, always performance. I always thought I would be in front of people playing guitar and singing. Um, but the singing journey took a long time and we can talk a bit about that because at one point one of my friends said, 
hey, you know you can't hold a pitch, right? I <laughs> said, <laughs> so, no, I didn't know that. Thanks. So Actually, honest. thank you for telling me because then it started a journey off like, oh, now I really need to work at this right. as much as I'm working at guitar. So when was your first performance? Oh, um... And what, were you, what kind of music were you playing? Yeah, like uh, I've heard a lot of people say this. I actually started playing music in church when I was young. And I think the first time I played was when I was 11 or 10. Okay. Um, but I was also playing at like um, little music recitals and stuff, blues, rock. Um, one of my music teachers would put on like a, a recital once a year at this beautiful outdoor amphitheater in the mountains. And so we would all in- invite a bunch of his students to play Okay. Yeah. And but when you were performing original music, when did that start? Oh, first performing original music. Uh that would have been in high school. I started writing songs when I was 13. Um and I'm thankful that nev- none of them saw the light of day. Uh <laughs> What were you writing about at that time? Uh, what was I writing about? Things I felt strongly about. Uh My first actual recording was a song I wrote for a girlfriend. Aww. <laughs> Yeah, a little cringy. <laughs> Not cringy, just it's it's an older memory, you know, so. Right, yeah. And the songwriting's older and Yeah, and and was it was it always kind of like rock-infused guitar playing? Yeah. Um hmm, my biggest musical influences to to I mean, I have so many now, but to date and especially when I started performing were uh Stevie Ray Vaughan and Hendrix and then I was sort of introduced to the pop world through John Mayer because I was like, no, I don't like pop. I don't like John Mayer. But then I saw a Crossroads video of him. And it was like 2008 or 2007. And he started off his song City Love with this really fat blues jam with him and his band. And I watched him play guitar and I said, if somebody can play a guitar like that in the modern era, then there's good music out there besides classic rock. So I'm really thankful for that video. Interesting. <laughs> so you, you shifted to this to this pop down at that point Pop it shifted here. into the idea that um modern music was worth my while and I just see. started exploring a bunch of different things and going through the whole that that year especially like mid and late 2000s was really really fun and cool for uh indie like that was just indie's heyday in my opinion and there's great indie music out there now too but the emergence of the great yeah indie. yeah like the killers and them making all the records and incubus was a big influence and the strokes were just uh booming then yeah. Okay. And uh, when, what was like the first moment that you just like you actually started seriously pursuing a music career? Mm. Um, that would have been about four or five years ago. Um, I've always wanted to seriously pursue it when I when I can actually say rubber to the road. I'm going to start doing this um, was in 2011. I, I decided I was in university for music. And I decided that I wanted to do a business uh, degree in addition to my music degree um, to try and... um, Smart. Yeah, just like if music was going to be a possibility at all, I needed some hard skills uh, or or other skills, let's say, besides music just to try and make it a reality. So some accounting and some marketing and how to write a business plan and all this stuff. I just decided that like if this is going to be reality, this is the way I need to go. Mm. And and what... um, What was stopping you at the beginning from really going in and, and and starting this career? Like, why weren't you doing it during school or before that? Um, I would basically big picture, probably lack of knowledge. Like I didn't know what it meant to go hard into music and just do it all the time and every day and live, eat, breathe 
playing shows. A second thing is that I don't think my songs were really terribly strong at that point. Um, and so I was getting my feet underneath me in terms of getting to know people and continually writing and writing and writing to try and get to a point where I felt like my songs were worthy of standing on and recording and releasing. Um, but then another side of that is that I'm a slow mover, slow processor. So things just take more time for me for some reason, which can be frustrating, but also can be a, an advantage in ways. Right. Yeah. And during that time when you were still kind of figuring out what you wanted to do or what it meant to be in the industry, were you performing? Yeah, I was always playing places. And um, I've been in a cover band for almost 10 years with some people I met in university and we're playing a wedding this Saturday. Mm. Um, So we're still going hard, but. Is it like a specific band cover band or just like covers of different songs from different bands? No, um, not a specific band. Our name no. is Burn for now. Oh, <laughs> we, right, right, right. We named it after Otter Burn, so it's B-U-R-N-E, and the guys hate that, that we have to spell it out every time. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're rehearsing, and we just, I don't know, we've done weddings for a long time, and they're a lot of work, but they're super fun, and we've played together for so long now that it's really tight, actually, so um, it's really fun. So if you need a band... For your wedding. <laughs> <laughs> well, your cover gig, your yeah. corporate gigs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, got, we got you. Burn. B-E-R? B-U-R-N-E. So on Facebook, it would be facebook.com forward slash burn band. B-U-R-N-E band. So when you started performing, mm-hmm. um, what what, were those, what did those first gigs look like? Or for people who are maybe listening who want to start getting out there, how mm. would you, um, or, how, or where did you start reaching out to, or how did people find you to get the, that experience up? Um, yeah, big, like the big answer there is just play with everybody and anybody. Um, another thing I would say is go to shows early, stay late. Um, people notice that. Yeah, for real. And you be easy to talk to. Like you may be the best, whatever pianist or you, you may be the top of your craft, but if you're hard to talk to, if you're not humble, um, it really doesn't matter because that, right. that's, your your skill is not secondary to that, but in a lot of ways, it, your skill won't matter if you're not kind and easygoing and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Absolutely. So what did your first couple of shows, were you going to coffee shops or how are you finding these people to, mm. to play with? Um, first couple of shows. Okay, so I we formed a band in high school out of a jazz ensemble I was in when we played a Battle of the Bands just some Hendrix and Beatles and Incubus stuff. So random. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> then when I moved overseas with my family, um, I started a different band and wanted to do original music, but mostly played covers at first just because those are songs that are already written and we can learn. And um, didn't do a lot of that. Where, where else would I... Like where I really started playing shows and getting booked more was in Manitoba in university and then afterwards especially um lived in toronto for the last two years and that was my first um i'm gonna go as hard at this as i possibly can um in terms of playing shows and uh getting out to venues and getting known by people and really coming up with a coherent social media plan and Hmm. and what made you decide to come back to manitoba um a few different things um, I needed a change in my job. My wife had just finished her master's degree, um, and we were, we were contemplating what the next steps are. Her family is from here, um, but I was my change in my job. I had decided I want to do music as full time as I can, 
And I think the right place to do that is Manitoba because a lot, honestly, because of Manitoba music in a huge way because of how many resources and just advantages there are through Manitoba music. Mm. Um, but in Winnipeg, it's small enough and big enough that you can get to know people quickly. And it seems like people are really out to help each other. They really want to see each other succeed. And given that music is a mobile business, um, you can live anywhere. And I don't know, the community I had in Manitoba was still stronger and more, I'm more of a known quantity here than uh, in Toronto. And I love Toronto, but it's just so saturated. It's huge. And um, it would take a very long time to, uh, yeah, rise above and kind of become a known quote. Uh, quotient right so just no me, yeah it makes sense so if you're in winnipeg just stay in winnipeg right yeah and there's so many who need feel that they have to move to Mon- uh, montreal or to toronto and and in some some points in careers it, it makes sense yeah but that may be their path yeah um but in sometimes it's it's okay to stay here yeah so stay in winnipeg <laughs> yeah so i can interview you <laughs> <laughs> So I want to talk about your songwriting style. Okay. Um, what goes into, how do you get, get into the into the zone to, to sit down and, and write? Or do you only write when inspiration hits? Mm. Um, I'm always playing guitar and I always have sort of a... Except for right now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I play guitar a lot, is what I mean to say. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I always am coming up with different, um, like a r- library of riffs or ideas on the guitar. A lot of them melodic, a lot of them riff-based. And then I'm thinking about things um, when I'm not playing guitar. So reading and um, processing and having conversations and listening and um, reading the news. And if something strikes me um, enough and I boil on it in my head enough, like I'm, it's this one concept or this thing that's bothering me is sitting with me long enough, I'll try and sit down and find a way to combine whatever riff idea to this this idea that I feel is worthy of writing about. There's so many songs and it's so easy to get lost in um, songs, I don't know, songs that don't matter. That's such a harsh way to say that. But um, I I really feel like I have a duty to write songs that I believe matter and are relevant and are not just my perspective, but other people's perspective. So riff library in my head and then um, ideas and thoughts I'm sort of... Uh, marinating on and see eventually they'll come and combine um, a lot of my writing time will happen in the morning before work um, just because that's when the house is quiet and uh, there's a space where my wife goes to work and I don't have to go to work yet so I usually pick up the guitar and um, start putting ideas to lyrics and melodies right and, and what, what do you mean by songs that don't matter that's a very harsh way to say that yeah I mm-hmm. don't I don't want to continue to use that phrase necessarily <laughs> but um I don't know. So what when you're writing songs, what matters to you? I've always spin it that way. Like what yeah. is, what is important to you that you feel that needs to be sung about? Uh it sounds like a cop out to say current issues. Um but I would say current issues and maybe timeless truths or what feel like timeless truths. Um when I say songs that don't matter, I don't really mean that. I mean there's a lot of songs written about love. And that's great. Lo- like, Universal. That's so important. Yeah. Um, but sometimes in the music machine, I, I sometimes I think songs about r- love get written because they always have and they always will, and it, it works. It's easy to write about love. but um, And I do write about love. I write love songs. 
Uh, we played a few last Thursday, but I, I don't know. I try to push myself onto what are people really, um, what are the cries of people's hearts right now? What, like, what are the issues that people really feel like they want to speak out about? And maybe what's my perception of those, those current topics and yeah. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah. A bit? yeah. No, I, it's, you want to make sure that each song has value t- to you, not just to write something that will maybe get radio play yeah. or, and you want it to someone have, have meaning. And so I, I respect that as someone mm. who struggles with finding thematic topics all the time that not just our love songs or party songs. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So then with the song pointless man, the song that we started before this interview, um, what, how, what was the writing process for that one? Okay, so that song is about... Um, oh, that song took two or three years to write um, because I had the verse ideas um, for quite a while, but there, I never found a good hook, a, a good chorus idea that was really gave that song wheels or life or wings or whatever you want to... whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, that song is about um, being in position or in a job that you feel you're ill-fitted to and not necessarily um, disliking who you're working with or um, just knowing that it's a piece of your journey, but you're not, you're not arrived yet. You haven't arrived yet, and it's, everybody has those jobs. So I figured that was a, um, a relatable topic in the sense that we all feel like we've gone through times or are going through times where we're ill-fitted to our position. Right, yeah. Um, this song is always stuck in my head. Good. I, I had to rehearse it, and uh, or even after the the show, I was just like everyone at home, like da 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 da. I'm like, yeah. like, okay, I love it, but I got it's got to stop. So <laughs> <laughs> cleanse your palate. Yeah, which is great. I think that's like a, a good problem to hear for, on your on your side. Yeah, definitely so, an earworm. Yeah. Um, also, uh, what about the song uh, "Light from Here," which you're going to hear in just a little bit? Yeah, "Light from Here" is a love song. Um, I'm originally from Colorado. I met uh, my now wife in southern Germany. We eventually moved to Manitoba. but So I drive to and from Colorado quite a bit from Manitoba. Um, and it's a beautiful drive. So I wrote that song kind of in my head um, on the way there or the way back. I can't remember. Um, and it's using some Im- imagery from that drive, but also kind of the um, solidarity there is in taking that journey with somebody that life journey where you're going back and forth between families and um, kind of finding that your only home is the person you're with. Like it does where you are physically or geographically is less important than who you're with. That kind of, so yeah, it's a love song about where home is and the split between homes that I've experienced. intentions in the big smoke yeah it came out on the 4th of october this year right and you had your release last week mm-hmm. all right so you're well versed in planning <laughs> your your releases um why was this one different uh this one was different because i'm now pursuing music as, as um as much of a full-time opportunity as i can um it's different because the songs are more mature and that sounds altruistic or self-serving but um if you write as many songs 
as you can, they're going to get better. Um, and that's what I've been doing. This one's different because we didn't do the park theater. It's different because I th um, have a, a small fan base now. Right. Yeah. And what went, what went into preparations for this? Like, baby who, people who are listening who want to start a release, what, what, what would you recommend as, like, the first thing people should be preparing for? First thing? Um, that's a very good question. I would start, I unless you have a static band. Like, my band is a bit non-static, um, depending on venue and depending on budget. If you don't have, if your band is non-static, I would start with the venue and design your your experience around the venue. If your band is a set number of people and members, then I would go and find a venue that really would play to your band's strengths, both both in capacity and as much as I just like the word vibe. Uh, what's the vibe of the venue? Um, I would think about menu. I would think about night of the week. Is this a night of the week that people are going to come and make the bar staff happy um, or the restaurant staff or the cafe staff or the whatever mm. your venue is? Um, what else? Don't, uh, like, don't shy away from your budget. Get every line down and have a budget and have um, actual numbers and get quotes and um, don't go in the hole for it. Like, at least break even. Great. Um, and then have set reali realistic expectations. I have a very good friend who also has a recording studio. His name is Alan Penner. His recording studio is Timberline Recording Studio. Um, he and I sit down sometimes and we do sort of those, how do we make this realistic sessions? So I really wanted lights. This is an example. I really wanted lights for that show. I like Le Garage, I didn't, but they don't really have much of a light set up. And I just wanted to make it as much of an experience um, for people as I could kind of a wow they really did more than the average um, so I was thinking about that but we sat down and he was like okay so based on a budget that's uh, if your budget's based around 80 people this is how much money you're going to bring in and this is how much money you're paying your mus musicians and your opener um, lights breaks your budget so we said okay get rid of it let's <laughs> figure out lights that don't break our budget that are so we borrowed and begged and stole and, <laughs> and we'll return we'll return it all i swear <laughs> but yeah so just be really realistic and and sort of uh, brutal is the wrong word but like um hard on yourself in terms of realistic expectations and then maybe decrease how many people you think are going to come by 10 or 20 percent and then you'll then you will have had a really successful event both in artistic um, like I'm all, I'm talking mostly business, you know, yeah, and uh, I kind of gravitate towards that right now just because I'm in a phase of my life where I'm trying to figure out how to make this a viable business, yeah. but art, the art comes first. And if it doesn't, and if it's not authentic art, then it, what, what you're doing really doesn't matter. What I'm doing doesn't matter. So right. there's and that caveat. Yeah. And I think that it's really important. It's, it's fun to be artsy and to think big and want to do these things. But w when it comes down to it, you do like. Unfortunately, the numbers are what kind of make it go around or make it possible. Mm -hmm. So it's it's important to be realistic mm -hmm. and and maybe set your expectations and your and like a little well set, set them set them high, but be prepared for anything that could happen because we had a couple things that kind of caught us um, off guard at the show. So yeah. it's important to think about that. Mm -hmm. um, so the lights that you had there were these like wooden boxes. Things. Yeah, yeah. so they're those? reclaimed wood in like a rectangle shape. 
um, with an Edison bulb hanging in the middle. They were made by my friend Adam Pinner. Um, and uh, the, you can go see them on my Instagram profile with the lights that uh, Kleist took. His, his Instagram handle is at K-L-E-I-S-T-T-A-A, so Kleist T. Um, you can also find that on the Instagram. But they, yeah, they were really beautiful, and I just borrowed them. They're really cool, and they, when, I remember when I walked in and I saw them. They just kind of—they really did add to the vibe, yes, of the space, atmosphere. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, what goes into picking an opener? Like, what? Why did you decide to go with Lux? Uh, and like, were you? What was the feel that you were kind of going for? Um, yeah, I wanted. Um, okay, first decision decision for opener for me is whether I want to combine communities or. Um, have completely two different communities because sometimes having two bands with a similar following of fans can really pack out a house pack out a venue sometimes having two bands that totally don't run in the same circles can pack the venue so i was looking for that i was looking for a band um who doesn't have a similar circle to me this time um i actually contacted erica fowler and was uh she uh, was giving me some recommendations, and she recommended uh, Lux, Lindsay, and I was really excited about that because I was looking for, s- yeah, sort of an indie pop uh, fronted by a female singer and full band, mm-hmm. and then in a circle that I don't run in, so right. we could bring in different types of people and different groups. Mm-hmm. And it was her first show in Winnipeg, so that yeah. made it a little special for her, too. Oh, that was so fun. Yeah. Yeah, re- people really showed up for her, and people drove from Kenora, like not a small number of people drove from Kenora to see her, and um, it was fun to really give her sort of a big Winnipeg welcome yeah, and give her that sort of proverbial hug. Mm-hmm. And I, she was amazing. And she and was she incredible. she loved it. You could just tell that she was really feeling herself yeah. on stage. So Her songs are so good and her voice is so good. You really need to stay tuned um, and watch for her, her EP and her singles coming out. Yeah. Well, maybe she, yeah, she's recording with Murray over. Yeah. And then her EP is actually finished. She, she has the masters, but now she's going to be dropping singles i think Ooh, um, so stay tuned yeah so go follow her you're welcome Lindsay, for the pluck yeah <laughs> come on the show <laughs> um so then picking a set list what goes into that what, what the order and, and how do you really mm. how do you really plan that out set list i like to think about energy arc um where are the high moments and where are the low moments and how many of those are going we going to have how many peaks and valleys are we going to have um so i usually kind of have a set list that starts high and dives quick to a, after three or four songs, you dive down to a pretty stripped back sound and then sort of a slow burn back up to a big sound right. um, and then close the show with that. And that's kind of my goal there. But we changed, we had to change that up last Thursday um, unexpectedly because one of my singers was uh, waylaid. Um, and so she was still on her way to the venue when she was about 30 minutes out when uh, Lux finished. I'm going, oh, no. Uh, we, I, I can't hold these people in this room for 30 minutes. and just uh, So I got to go. So we pushed some of the acoustic set, what was supposed to be the low moment and like the quieter moment in the set list, right to the beginning. And that was really serendipitous uh, because we, I just started off with acoustic guitar and voice for two tunes, um, and the room was silent. Just in a very good way. Like, I, it just seemed like they were right with me. So I may try that again. Yeah. 
And then playing with the band with, with a song that kind of starts slower and then it really builds up. Yeah. It, it all flowed really nicely. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm happy to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, that was so fun. It was a really cool experience. Um, and so the day of the show, before we even got there, when you woke up that morning, how were you feeling? What was on your mind throughout the day? Like, what were you, how were you? Yeah, um, excited. I mostly, like, nerves doesn't really happen for me anymore. Just, they, they sort of surprise you. So some weird times they'll come out. But they don't really happen for me anymore. I just get sort of excited or impatient to play. So I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting to get on stage and release these songs and show everybody this incredible band that I built. And we ha if we haven't said it, Ashley uh, played keys in the band and just held down that like uh, that sound glue, that pad, and just really kept the band together and filled all those empty spaces that we needed filled. So um, I, the morning of a gig, especially a bigger one like this, sometimes you're just going and you're just playing. And those are important. That's actually been, for me, they're more of my um, bread and butter than these big special events but for a gig I start off in the morning usually with exercise and then I have a uh, gig checklist pretty extensive like what to bring what are you forgetting um, and that has that's been really helpful because it just takes all the scatteredness away from oh I need that and I need this and I need oh I need to get a float for the oh and I need to go pick up the merch and oh and I'm gonna go do lights and whatever so that kind of provides order to my day of yeah, that's right. I, I got a nice little text at the beginning. I, I guess that you were going through your list at that point, making sure you're getting everything. Like, oh, yeah, okay, that's an important thing to remember. Right, the, yeah. The DI or whatever. The DI box, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think that's a really important thing, just to ha even just to have like a little, like even like a small little laminated card that like could fit in your wallet and just like, okay, hey, whip it out before you leave. Do I have everything? And then just make sure that you have it. So <laughs> um, you don't have to laminate it. I, w I, would, I personally oh, would yeah. laminate it, but... That way it lasts longer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but then you have to worry about it mix it changing up and everything. So mm -hmm. maybe maybe don't laminate. My I yeah. My band and I call it an idiot check, mm -hmm. both going to the venue and leaving the venue. Right. What are you forgetting? What are you leaving behind? Right. And was this something that you learned from someone else, or did you learn from experience that you might need one? Um, when I was when I started putting on a bunch of shows in Toronto, um, I developed the the gig checklist. I googled it and then adapted it. Uh, for my own purposes, just because there's a lot to think about when you're hosting. Uh, so there's a lot of things that aren't just bring your guitar, your amp, and your pedals, and it's hard to keep all in, all in your head if you don't have a right some somebody else thinking about that it's for like, you. Yeah, and like, did I post on social media about it? Mm -hmm. and, and like, just like you could you could make it as personal as you needed it for like yeah. the day of, maybe the week before, um, and then at that point it just becomes like a schedule. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that I think I. I'm really fascinated because I've never really heard of someone actually having like a list written down to keep themselves on track because I'm, I guess I'm very scattered. <laughs> yeah, I am too. And that's why I re come up with the list because I don't want to be day of. I want to be just knowing that I have everything and then focusing on the music. Right. Absolutely. So then while you're performing, how, how are you feeling? Like what, what was going through your head at th throughout the set? Oh, I feel at home I, because I've lived in a bunch of different places and I'm kind of uh, removed from my original context a few different times. Um, when I get on stage and I have the chance to share my songs with people, I really do feel at home. Um, and there's some small details that are going through my head, but I also write out what I want to say where. Not not scripted, like the exact words, but in this moment I want to thank the venue and introduce the band. In this moment we're going to move to a condenser mic 
And so we're going to have some light banter that will ease that transition. Um, but otherwise, it's just at that point, you've done all the prep you possibly can. You should sit back and enjoy and re- relax in the, in the no- knowledge that um, you have put in the practice, you have put in the rehearsal, <laughs> you went through your gig checklist, and now you should just be having fun and giving as much of your authentic self to your audience as you can. Right. Yeah. And that, and that I, I think really carried over well. And you could tell that you had, you had really put a lot of thought into it from mm-hmm. the show and Good. how everything was seamless. Good. Uh, and even when there was a hiccup, you, you just knew right away what to do and mm-hmm. it came off really well. And Good. I, I Thank know you. I heard a lot of really positive feedback from, from the audience members who attended. So they mm-hmm. really appreciated that. Yeah. So, good job. Thank you. It's a thumbs up if you, can, if you can't see, cause you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so after the show, how do, how do you feel? How did you, how did, talking to everyone or mm. even just going home, what were your, what, were you immediately thinking about the next show or were you just kind of relishing and just exper- and appreciating that experience? Uh, both. What I immediately felt was sweaty because it was <laughs> hot. <laughs> um, but then I'm walking through and my voice is tired and just getting as much, as many thank yous in as I can mm. going and shaking hands and just saying, Hey, thank you for being, cause I, and I'm not schmoozing like that's that's genuine i'm walking around to the almost 100 people that showed up and just kind of overwhelmed saying like wow thank you for being here i appreciate your time right um and then something else that i'm bad at is rushing back to the merch table i probably should just sprint back there so that when people connect with me it's actually over the merch table right but afterwards just especially for a show like this where you get to release new recordings and it's a full band uh, because i usually hire a smaller band just because it's affordable but when you get to hire that full band and the opener was perfect and uh, things went well, it's just a glow, you know, it's just, uh, you're proud, really special. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and rightly so. Like it's a lot of work and, and then for all of it to be suddenly done. Yeah. I mean like in the long run, it's not done. It's just kind of like the beginning, but mm-hmm. this moment is really, uh, so that's awesome. Yeah. So your merch table, actually, mm-hmm. uh, you had these really cool t-shirts. Yeah. Um, what was your decision to have this? It was kind of like a gladiator kind of. Yeah. Um, okay. This is going to get super nerdy for a second, but it's a podcast, so we get to do this. Yeah. Um, they are designed by uh, my good friend and bassist, Matt Dean. Um, he's also a, a graphic artist, very talented graphic artist and artist. You should go follow him on Instagram because his paintings are incredible. Um, but it's the inspiration for the T-shirt, which you can also see on Instagram, is drawn from – I'm going to get this wrong. Oh, man. Okay, it's Sumerian art. My wife just did her master's degree in Middle Eastern languages and cultures. And it's drawn from Sumerian and Akkadian kings. And I think the king is Sargon. King Sargon is our inspiration. And then it's actually a profile photo, like a a portrait of me that was taken by um, a very good photographer named Lynette Giesbrecht. Her Instagram handle is Lynette Photographer. So she took that photo and then Matt adapted it into this uh, King Sargon Sumerian style um, look. And we just thought it was kind of a unique look and grabs people's attention. And then uh, we could keep it to three colors. Um, so for printing purposes, that, that makes things are easier. Right. It's I, Listening to you talking, no, knowing that you have like this like business experience, it's just like it's all so like calculated. And <laughs> I mean, and, and it does flow naturally as well. Good. But I just... Um, it's just in- interesting. Yeah. Um, and like, the, the the colors flow with like the, the cover or like the artwork like mm-hmm. with the, you in the the in the river. 
Yeah. Oh, that was fun. Yeah. I'm, I, got, I don't really know what you look like from that photo. So when I actually met you, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, that does look like him. But you didn't have the beard, so I was a little thrown off. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not who I thought I was looking at. But I trim it off every now and again just to remember what my face looks like. Right. Does it, like, humble you? You're like, oh, yeah, I am a child. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely look like a child, yeah. <laughs> a very hairy child. <laughs> I um, I don't usually grow a beard, so yeah. I, I don't really have that um, that opportunity to just, like, grow something and then remove it. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I look like. It's overrated. Like, growing f- hair out of your face is kind of a nuisance. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. Like, even, like, the <laughs> eyebrows that I have to deal with, is yeah. they're a pain, so I can't imagine. So All the way over your face. All the respect for the, your, your facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's so funny to me, and I get it, but it's funny to me how people um, kind of are so proud of their facial hair sometimes. And, yeah, it takes a lot of work to, like, make it look clean and kept and... Kempt, I think oil. Is the word. Yeah, and all this stuff. But then if you get a little too proud about it, it it's kind of just like, yeah, you grow face out of or you grow hair out of your face. You grow just face like, out of your hair. You grow face out of your hair just like half the planet or less than half the planet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Facial hair. Well, I mean, that's a wrap. To be fair, less than half. Less maybe like not all. Uh, no, nah, I'm not going to get into it. Okay. It's get confusing. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people who t- should no, I'm not going to do it. It's fine. That's going to get weird. Next. Yeah. So what are your plans now? What are you, what are you uh, working on? Yeah, I'm planning. I'm in the very first stages of planning a tour. Um, I've been putting a budget together. I've just been running it past um, a few of my mentors. Uh, like uh, Joey and I got together uh, last week just to kind of realize another realization process. Is this realistic? Um, and he's done a lot of that, a lot of those budgets. So he has been very kind and helped me out with that. So, um, planning on, I would like to do a greater Toronto area tour, a GTA tour, because I know, um, I have some good friends there and I could kind of have a home base and then get five or eight shows or 10 shows out of the way, not out of the way. I would love to come and play for you, Mm. but I, it would be easy to keep it at a low cost if I had like a home base and then just went to Montreal for the night or. Hamilton or Peterborough or uh, obviously downtown Toronto. Right. Yeah. And so why do you want to go east and not west? Um, I do have listeners out west. Um, I want to have small tours at first um, so that I can learn quickly. Right. And the mistakes that I do make um, are are kind of, um, what's that motto? Fail fast, fail quick, or no, fail, fail quick, fail hard. The point is that you like you learn your mistakes quickly and you gr- you bounce back quickly because failure is a part of success. Um, so I want to get those smaller tours planned so that by the time I actually do this big one, that I might be able to afford to go out west because it's a lot of country to cross. Um, right. That I'll have some experience in that and that the expanse won't be quite as daunting because it'll be a lot bigger budget to get out west. Um, GTA, you can, I, like I said, I could go there and kind of stay in one place and um, probably get a, a seat deal. And, like, there are sometimes, like, these $79 flights to uh, really? Ham- Hamilton. or Yeah, so if you could figure out how to get your gear over there cheaply, you could probably get there for pretty inexpensive. Right. Would it make sense to rent there rather than bringing things with you? Um, yeah, maybe. Um, backline, renting backline isn't cheap either, um, but... It's definitely a consideration. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is what makes sense for your budget and, and really looking at those numbers and what is realistic. So going back to that. Yeah. And, 
that's that's cool. So do you have plans with recording or releasing any new music? I mean, you just released, but mm -hmm. are you already writing more music for the next the next big release? Yeah, absolutely. I had kind of a um, I wouldn't call it a dry spell. I would call it a time where I was working on the recording where I haven't been writing. And so now that as basically as soon as we got the recordings finished, I sat back and I um, was able to start writing again. And I actually wrote like we played a song last Thursday at Le Garage that hasn't been released. Um, and I had written just the week before. So it's it's been fun to get back into writing. And then by the time I do need to record again, I'll have a bunch of material to choose from. Right. And and how long does it I mean, how long does it usually take you to write Song and you mentioned like Pointless Man was like two years, but this one you had written, I guess, in a week. Oh yeah, you know, it's um it's varied. Uh, some songs are really born with less effort than other songs. Pointless Man took forever because I had this verse that I kept bouncing off of people, and they're like, "This is good. You just don't have the right chorus." And then I finally came out with that third, and I went, "Oh, that's this is the hook, right? And this is this makes this song." Uh, worth recording um so that one i kept it pretty simple i kept the chords simple i've been trying to put those concepts to lyrics and melodies for a few years for yeah a few years so when it finally came when it finally was born it came with less effort than is usual that'll be coming out yeah i do have plans to record and release new music that's exciting i need to get some we are working on some live video content too Mm -hmm. Yeah, that seems to be like the fun or the go-to is live because it's like one take, technically, mm -hmm. and um, a lot of people like to consume that kind of, um, unless you've got like this huge, huge budget for, for a music video, and which can be a challenge. I think for the independent artists, music videos don't make a ton of sense. What your audience wants to do near and far is connect with what you might be like live. Right. Um, and that, in my experience, the video content that we've released has done better, just in real numbers, has more views or streams right. than the actual recorded content. We put out a song called Lifeline last year, and um, then we did a video for it, and the video was way more popular than the, the actual song. Not to say the song was unpopular, but, yeah, video content just does better. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just, if you look at the numbers for anything, it's just visual content is just so it's going to be much more interactive mm. with social media and everything. Yeah. So that is something to consider. Um, one more question about your, your writing style. Yeah. Um, how do you, you mentioned like when a song, you don't, didn't really know when it was ready yet or when you were happy with it. How do you feel or how do you know when a song is ready that you want to actually release it and you're, like, you're not going to fiddle with it anymore? Change it anymore. Um, uh, good art, in my opinion, is collaborative. So bouncing it off people you know and trust and are not going to hold hold back criticisms. Um, and not, not mean-spirited criticism, but criticism that pushes your songs forward. So I showed that song to a few people, and most of them were like, yeah, that's done. Uh, so I kind of rested and trusted that it was finished. Um, I also sent it to Sheena Ratai, to see if sh I could get her opinion and voice on it. So it may change. It's called The song is called Sunday Serenade right now. It's kind mm -hmm. of a working title. Um, but it, it may find new life and new new things once Sheena so that's exciting. gets her ears on yeah. it. Yeah, Sheena's from Red Moon Road. Correct. So amazing vocalist. So Unbelievable. I, th I think that's a really good fit. Um, so the song Strange that we're going to close with. Yeah. Um, what was the inspiration behind that song? 
Uh, move into a new city and feeling out of place. So the first line says, I am strange, I'm out of place. Um, and then there's a lot of change I have yet to face. I feel like I'm reciting a poem. <laughs> well, it is poetic. <laughs> it is a bit. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of another context song, uh, just feeling out of place. And that to me is a, a topic worth singing about because a lot of people feel that way. And then you sing it and they listen to it and maybe relate to it. And then you get to have those conversations. Right. Awesome. We do have to wrap up, unfortunately. Cool. Thank you so much for coming down and, and chatting with me about all of this. Mm -hmm. Where can people find you and follow you on social media? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, mm -hmm. At B Post Music everywhere. Bpostmusic.com, Facebook, Instagram. I don't really use Twitter. I don't know what it's for. I kind of have it because I feel like it's a, you should have it. Right. But I don't know a lot of... why. What does Twitter do in 2019? I, I mean... When you get into it, it's actually kind of fun okay. um, to like it because you get to watch like if you have musicians that you really look up to or uh, public figures and you actually in real time get to see like what they're going through and what they're talking about. And, okay. And it can be fun. Like I've, I'm actually really enjoy I, I don't get into as much as I probably should. But when I go on, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like, oh, my God, they posted this like five minutes ago. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like a more immediate. Okay. Kind of like the Instagram stories, but just writing it out, I guess. All right. Yeah. Great. I'm by. Well, thank you so much for, um, again, coming down. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug or add before we go? Go listen to my music. If you like it and relate to it, share it. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Winnipeg Music Project. For more on local music makers, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music by Will and Art from Collector Studio. And a big thank you to UMFM for making this show possible. Thank you.